Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. Everyone here is all smiles. U.S. advances to the knockout stage. They beat Iran 1-0. I'm getting very conflicting evidence here about what's really going on. I'm seeing a, an Instagram <laughs> post from Christian Pulisic in a hospital bed saying, so blank proud of my guys. I'll be ready Saturday. Don't worry. So okay. is what is he dying or what's going on? <laughs> well, here? we don't know. Okay, well, this is really special. Um, Perloff and I, a, a longtime friend who we worked with at Sports Illustrated, a former colleague and friend who's now in Qatar covering the World Cup for the Guardian. Brian Graham is on the line. Brian, thanks so much for doing this. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. A very, very happy day here for the Americans. Oh, my gosh, Brian, I'm sure we're all happy back here watching it on television. But obviously, before we get into the game about Christian Pulisic, so Perloff said he just saw an Instagram post from Pulisic from a Qatari hospital. Can you enlighten us any more on what's going on with him? Yeah, I just got out of uh, Coach uh, Greg Berhol's press conference. Apparently, uh, Christian left at halftime with dizziness and uh, getting a precautionary and for an abdominal strain. He watched the entire second half at the hospital, and uh, they FaceTimed him afterwards in celebration. So, happy ending. Wait, but Brian, explain to me how that happened. Why would you have an abdominal strain when you got I don't understand the play at all. Like, that was an unusual injury. Any idea, like, what actually happened? Because it looked like he got hit in the private parts from the outside looking in. it absolutely did look like that, um, but uh, that's what they, you know, that's the diagnosis that U.S. Uh, soccer gave us, and that's all we really have to go to go on right now. I'm not really sure exactly what happened. He was down in the mouth of the goal for about three minutes, and he finished the half, but he was clearly unfit. And uh, and yeah, he left the game at a halftime. He was replaced by Brendan Aronson, a Philadelphia kid for a loss. And uh, and yeah. Uh, He watched the second half from the uh, hospital, and uh, there's no word on whether he's going to be okay for Saturday's game uh, in the round of 16 against the Netherlands. Brian Graham is joining us from Qatar. He's covering the World Cup for The Guardian. It's a former colleague of ours at Sports Illustrated for Perloff and myself. Okay, so Brian, just about this match, I mean, how high were the tensions before kickoff today between the U.S. and Iran? Well, I've got to say, I've been to about 10, 11, 12 matches so far, uh, here in Qatar, and I will say, like, the atmosphere has been uh, pretty flat for most of them. Um, tonight was completely different at the uh, Mama Stadium. I mean, this was from three hours outside the stadium. Uh, you could tell that the U.S. fans who were here were going to be vastly outnumbered, which they were, and that was only clear once you got inside the stadium. Um, it was just, you know, if you remember back at the uh, South Africa World Cup about 12 years ago, that sound of those Vuvuzelas, I mean, it was just completely deafening. You couldn't hear the person next to you. It was a, it almost felt like a different tournament from the other games I've seen so far. And, yeah, the tensions were incredibly high um, 24 years after we played Iran for the first time. And uh, this time it was a different result. Yeah, tell me about the actual game. Uh, you know, it looked for a while like the U.S. kept pressing, but I felt, oh, they're not going to score, they're not going to score. How did they finally break through, and how tense was it during the game before they actually scored? Well, it's incredibly tense because if you follow this team during qualifying, you know, one of the problems they really had was against teams that sat back um, and sort of, in, in, you know, put a lot of players behind the ball and tried to wait and counterattack. Um, and that's exactly what Iran, uh, that's how they normally play. 
but but especially in this game because Iran only needed a draw or a win to advance. The U.S. had to have a win, which meant they had to have a goal. And uh, the U.S. has had a lot of trouble scoring goals. They never really identified a central striker, um, and they really had a lot of trouble, um, except they were able to get a lot of shots. They took the game, you know, these young kids on the U.S. really took the game by the scruff from the beginning. They had nine shots in the first half, really, before they finally broke through with Pulisic. And then after that, uh, Iran played very, very well in the second half and really poured it on because they had to open up. Um, but the U.S., you know, held on till the end. Um, and it really sort of was, you know, down to the last minute. I don't know. Those nine minutes of extra time felt like about a half an hour for us watching. Brian Graham <laughs> is joining us. He's covering the World Cup for The Guardian. He's in Qatar right now uh, joining us on the phone. Okay, so, Brian, the impression of the U.S. after three games, I know it hasn't been a lot of goals scored, but from what I can tell, the U.S. looked like the better team against Wales, the better team against England, and the better team against Iran. What does that mean for the state of the U.S. men's national team? Well, you know, they had uh, a draw against Wales that felt like a loss, uh, followed by a draw against England that really felt like a win. <laughs> and today they got the win that they needed. Uh, they got the, the win that they needed today to move through uh, to the knockout stages for the fifth time, actually, since 1994. But this one really feels a lot different and feels a lot better because they didn't qualify last time. So, it, it, and it is this group of young kids um, that sort of is in part constructed for four years from now when the U.S. Uh, hosts the World Cup, except, you know, the future really is now. This is the first time in the history uh, of the U.S. soccer program that they started 11 players in a World Cup that all are based in Europe. Um, so, you know, a lot of times... Uh, it's sort of a new generation of kids that have uh, you know, spent their teenage years playing in the greatest clubs in the world. And it's sort of uh, it's, it's, it's yielding dividends perhaps ahead of schedule. Talking to Brian Graham for The Guardian. All right, Brian, I only want good news here. Tell me what to expect Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern here in the States, the Netherlands. How does the U.S. match up? Well, you know, it's, uh, I think the, the big... Uh, $64,000 question over the next few days is going to be the uh, availability and fitness of Kristen Pulisic. Uh, you know, this is uh, I, I, the eighth straight game uh, that the U.S. has won in which he scored. Um, you know, so he really has been their talisman. He really has been their sort of leading light. Um, so I think a lot has to do with whether or not, um, you know, he's available to play. Um, the Netherlands will be favored, just like Iran was favored tonight. Um, but, you know, as Berhalter just said in this press conference, you know, there's no telling how far they can go because they're just taking one game at a time. They still haven't conceded a goal from open play in this tournament. The only goal they allowed was on a, on a penalty against Wales. So they're one of only a few teams that actually hasn't conceded a goal in open play in this tournament. So, you know, there's really no telling how far they can go, but they will be the underdogs every step of the way. Brian, uh, just a question about Qatar. You've been there now for a couple weeks. I mean, we can only imagine what it's like. Like, what's the most interesting thing beyond soccer? What's the most interesting thing you've seen covering this tournament there? Um, there's probably been a lot of interesting things, but I think, you know, the thing that's really going to set this um, this tournament apart, aside from all the controversy and the fact that, you know, it is this sort of, bizarre event that's built on, you know, so much human suffering uh, with the migrant workers. But, uh, but I, I do think the fact that it's all essentially in one city is really going to set this apart. I mean, there are, there are people that have gone to four games in one day, wow. which is basically un unthinkable. 
um, you know, for any other World Cup, certainly when it's in the States in a few years, you couldn't even think of doing that. Um, but the fact that everything is so close, you know, the entire country is the state of the size of the state of Connecticut, but all the, uh, all the stadiums, the eight World Cup stadiums are in a much more concentrated area, mostly around Doha. And, uh, I, I think the fact that it's essentially a single city tournament, um, as opposed to the typical World Cup that's, you know, far flung across the country is, uh, is really what makes it different. Brian, uh, I know you can't do this from the press box, really, but is there any chance we're going to hear an E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles chant <laughs> in Qatar at any point during the rest Can of the World Cup? Can you get a cheesesteak cheese in Qatar? Yeah, what's, uh, what's the Eagles love like over there? <laughs> no, but you, you'll, you'll be proud to know that I woke up for that 4.20 a.m. kickoff against the Packers the other day. So, you know, <laughs> Hero. There you go. <laughs> That's the Brian Graham we know and love. How is the food? Is the food good? Oh, the food's great. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you can eat on any continent. That's, uh, yeah. I don't think that's, uh, that's a problem. It's always number one for me when I travel. Brian, can't tell you <laughs> how much we appreciate this. We know you're busy. You just filed your deadline and you fit in our show and we're so appreciative. Uh, have fun. Hopefully we'll talk to you again soon and enjoy the rest of the tournament. Absolutely. Love you guys. Thanks, Brian.